That's such a new feature. We've been doing Zoom uh, podcast interviews for like a year now. We fooled so many guests. So many guests had no they idea. Didn't know they had no idea. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but now, no longer. Now they know. Now Zoom is informing. Now, including our guest today. We have a guest today, We have a guest Jacob? today on the BioFriendly Podcast. This is fantastic. Yes. Who do we have? Today, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the BioFriendly Podcast, Dr. Mark C. Trexler. Hey, welcome, Mark. Mark is the, uh, I want to make sure I get this right, he is the chief Chief climatographer at the climatographers. That is and correct. He, yes. So I did it right, right? That's, yes. the, that's the role. That's Not right. that you have I mean, any idea what that means. Well, but what's yes, awesome about, right. that, no. about that is that of, of like, there are climatographers. Yeah. And of the climatographers, we got the chief. The top. Yeah. Top of the line. We don't mess around in this podcast. No, we don't. We try to, well, we try it. Well, we do. <laughs> yeah, actually. we do. No, we actually, it's a really good point. We mess around all the time. Yeah. But, but we don't. No, it's a, it's, it is a cool title because it is, you know, climatographer. Is this something that you kind of came up with, uh, the climatography group and everything? Yeah, th- there are only two of us. So, uh, so getting wow. the top one doesn't really mean that much. Uh, but, but yeah, <laughs> we, we actually the invented the title um, based on combining climate change and cartography in oh. the sense that, you know, in trying to solve climate change, we're trying to figure out how to navigate a map that no one has ever navigated before. And we don't know what the map actually looks like. Yeah. And so nice. uh, that's the cartographer side, obviously, and the climate side. And, and we came up with climatographers. I love it. Very cool. It does that's have a, it's a nice Indiana visual. Jones. Yeah, it has like a. It does have an explorer. Oh, it does. Sounding vibe it does, to it because you think about like uh, like the the old map of California. Yeah. And how when they were going up the side of California because you start in Baja, mm-hmm. right? And you're going up, and you, if you kind of switch over, you go well. There's an ocean over there because because there's you know, right. there's water, and you keep going up. It used to be on the maps that they thought California, like the whole part of the whole western half of the U.S. was a different. Yeah. Like it was. It was there was a little you know sea in between. Yeah. And then obviously later on, they're like, well, that's, that's not the case because you know, you're actually literally as you're going, you're tracing the map. You're making yeah. the map as you explore. Yeah. So that's a great visual. So it's like it's, it's exploring the, the solutions to the climate problem and then making the map as you go so that the people behind you can know where they are. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. You did, did it. it. Uh, Mark, are, are you you're in California with us, right? We're, you're on the West Coast. Actually in Oregon. Oh, you're in Oregon. That's West Coast. Well, there we go. Yeah, Yeah. it's up in Oregon. That's right. I think I forgot that. But still, same time zone. Yeah, absolutely. It's beautiful up there in Oregon. Yeah, when it's not burning down and and uh, <laughs> you know, like which, which heat? parts of the state are right now, or when it's not 116 degrees, which it was two weeks ago. But otherwise, it's a beautiful place. Otherwise, yeah, that was quite a rarity and quite an, an indication that maybe something's wrong in the in the atmosphere currently. There well, have been a few of those of yeah, late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I wanted to do was just to kind of, you know, of course, we're so happy to have you on the show. I wanted you to give us a little bit of a story, your story, um, kind of your your personal journey so far, how you got into this line of work. I know you've got 30 plus years of experience um, in, in energy and, and uh, a lot of this stuff, but I, you'll be able to explain it better than I will. So I thought we'd start there. Sure. And, and I, I still blame my high school ecology teacher for setting nice. me down this uh, path. And, and that was a long time ago, but, but Mr. Castile did a, did a great job. Um, and I've basically been on an environmental bent sort of ever, ever since. So I, I founded an environmental group in college and uh, then went off to, to do graduate work um, in uh, international environmental policy 
and ultimately got hired into not really having known anything about climate change. In fact, while in graduate school, I had cited the only coal-fired power plant ever cited in California, Um, and but then got hired into the World Resources Institute in 1988 to work on this thing called climate change and specifically to work on carbon offsets and basically have been too stupid to get out since. (laughs) Um, And have have uh, I started a consulting firm when I left the World Resources Institute. So it was the first sort of business oriented consulting firm in the U.S., specifically working on climate change. Uh, we ultimately sold that. I joined an international company, Detnoshka Veritas, based out of Oslo. I was director of climate risk. And um, uh, when when I left that, my wife and I sat down and, and said, you know, we've accomplished absolutely nothing in 25 years. Hmm. What do we want to try and do next? Right. And uh, and so that's the climatographers. And, and that's our focus on sort of thinking a little bit originally about how might we actually make progress in this space and and we're focusing on it from a knowledge management perspective in the sense that the information on climate change is infinite today. The problem is that no one actually ever sees the information that would most influence their thinking. And so this idea of actionable knowledge and how do you help people find their actionable climate knowledge, that's, that's where we're focused today. Yeah. Mm, very cool. Well, that's so why quick, we before we, we go on. So is your wife the other climatographer? My wife is the other climatographer. Well, She's an environmental you. attorney and, and we've worked together for for in various roles and capacities for quite a few years. So what's her title in the climatography situation? Uh, legal counsel. It's legal a fascinating. Counsel for the class. So, so, OK, that's good. Well, it's nice to work yeah, with your yeah. with your spouse. Oh, with your come partner. on. That's, that's pretty that's cool. Awesome. Yeah, because, you know, if you can survive the first 10 or so years, it's <laughs> it's uh, it's downhill from there. <laughs> well, and, and that's why we'd like Fantastic. to welcome Mr. Bastille, his grade school teacher is coming on the <laughs> he's show. He's coming out, ladies and gentlemen. Can you believe <laughs> We've it? We've got him behind the curtain, and he's coming out to say you're welcome uh, for getting you. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. That's no, great. That was amazing. It's a lot of stuff uh, that you've done in all the years. And, and I got a chance to take a look at the climate web, which is this thing that you guys have developed, to create. Uh, you've created together. And there is so much information that's available on this site. There is it, and it's and it's overwhelming. Which is which is uh, you know the, the common reaction of people is is wow that's amazing, and then they run terrified in the other direction. <laughs> sure. uh, so it's a it's a challenge because I mean climate change is a complicated issue. Everybody needs different information. No one no one quite has the same actionable knowledge need, and so right you, you it's a really complicated question of in, infinite information on one side infinite needs on the other side and how do you how do you link the two yeah. um you know one of the things that we're doing that we uh, we do, we've actually developed a new technology in the last six months that allows us to extract information from the climate web into what looks like a conventional website and right. and these are our our climate sites so if you go to climatesites.net you'll you can find a whole series of what are basically websites that are much less scary but they help introduce people to the information in the climate web because they're literally extracted from the climate web. Nice. That's good to give people the the bite-sized bits they might be looking for, the the things that that are going to help them specifically, you know, kind of 
yeah. figure out what the problem is and what they can do to help and how they can jump in. That's, that's really great. That's, yeah. That's fantastic. What I love about it too, is that, uh, you know, we, you know, as you've been in this business for a very long time, I mean, in this industry is that it is hard to communicate, um, to, to people. And that, ha- that's the reason why a lot of people have tuned out the message, why we do the show that we do, which is the information immediately be- does become overwhelming. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do. And it has people running the other way. They shut down. They, they, they see the information and they go, it's too complex. Complex. It's honestly one of the things, Mark, that we that we uh, we we fight a lot uh, on this show is, yeah. is, uh, is 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 breaking things down to a, to a simple enough form that someone can understand it, and giving them a simple enough thing that they can try, yeah. so people pick up something, so you get the mind frame change, right? Because once you kind of change your frame of mind a little bit, you're more willing to look at the bigger problem and more complicated things. So. Yeah. This climate sites thing seems like a really really cool idea, a really cool resource. It's something that's you know people should check out. It's yeah. really, really really great. Hopefully it is. And, and it does explore a lot, sort of this, this question of individual action versus collective outcomes. Sure. Yeah. And that, that's the real challenge we have with climate change is that, you know, in the U.S., there are 100 million people that are alarmed or concerned about climate change. And, you know, by my estimate, having interviewed most of those people, there are 343 who actually know how to best tackle climate change. Right. And so, so it's, a, it's a huge, if you ask most people, they will tell you, you know, I recycle. Well, yeah. recycling's yeah. great. We recycle. Absolutely. Does absolutely nothing for climate change. And right. so, the, you know, the question of how do you, is there any way to turn individual action into the collective and systemic change that we need yeah. to get to? That's one of the things that we focus on. And, and that's our whole climate chess uh, metaphor that, that we've right. come up with of, of thinking about this from from sort of a, an enormous chessboard with thousands of pieces on it. And how can individuals be helpful in moving those pieces around the board, as opposed to trying to come up with the thing individuals can do that will make a difference? Yeah. Could you explain that a little bit more? Because I know we talked about it briefly. We had talked about the whole climate chess thing. Um, would you give kind of a bird's eye view of what that philosophy is um, for, for the audience? Well, you know, one way to contrast it is that is that uh, an Australian cartoonist did a great cartoon in 2010 called the Million Piece Jigsaw Puzzle. And sure. it's, a, it's a climate change jigsaw puzzle. And, you know, there are about 20 pieces filled into this million piece jigsaw puzzle. And the politicians in the puzzle are saying, you know, we're doing a great job. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, but the, the, the jigsaw puzzle metaphor, sorry, in a way, encourages us all, us all to, to, to create our own climate silos. So each of us works on our own thing, our own piece of the jigsaw puzzle. And somehow we assume that all those pieces are going to come together into right. this massively complicated puzzle. It's sort of like assuming that you've got enough chimpanzees in the room next door that while they're trying to type Shakespeare, you know, they'll put together the million piece climate change jigsaw puzzle. Well, now, hold on. There's a lot of monkeys in Hollywood who've been working very hard (laughs) together to make that perfect screenplay. And I think they've done pretty well. They've done nine Fast and Furious movies. I mean, and they've nine of them. Every one of them. (laughs) So you got to give it up to those monkeys. They really know how to write a movie about family, cars, and explosions. explosions. (laughs) Lots of sometimes submarines through ice shelves. And and if we had a thousand years, those chimpanzees might actually complete the million piece jigsaw. That's true. That's true. Right. The problem is we've only got, you know, I, I hate to say we have a certain number of years because it's unrealistic. But during the next few decades, a lot of bad things are going to happen if we don't make a lot more progress. And so the idea is, you know, instead of thinking of those million jigsaw puzzle pieces, 
what if you thought of them as pieces on a chessboard mm-hmm. and, yeah. and thought of sort of two teams, team urgency, which says we need to urgently do something about climate change, and team no urgency, which for a whole series of reasons doesn't feel the need to do anything urgent. They might actively oppose, they might actively deny, or they might just not care. And right. that, you know, that's team no urgency. But yeah. team team urgency's got this real challenge on the board, even though there's lots of people, uh, lots of pieces on the board, lots of possible moves. You know, it, it's much harder to create systemic change than to defend the existing existing system. And yeah. that's what that's all team urgent team no urgency has to do is to sort of block everything that team urgency is trying to do. And that's basically what's been happening for the last 30 years. Right. And, you know, so going forward, what if team urgency actually realized it was playing climate chess and actually thought about how can we coordinate? How can we collaborate? How can we help each other move this piece on the board when when that piece has a real opportunity to move to move? And then, you know, a month later, another piece has a real opportunity to jump forward. So everybody comes together to help make that happen, as opposed to everybody just focusing on their individual piece, which is the way the world works today. Yeah. So where can, uh, if people want to sign up to be a chess piece, where do they go? (laughs) Well, it's interesting because if people want to understand climate chess, they they can go to climatechess.climatesites.net, one of these websites that's pulled out of the climate web. If people want to sign up to be a chess piece, which would be absolutely great, there is absolutely nowhere for them to go. Uh, There is is simply (laughs) because of the way the system works and the way that that we're all competing against each other for resources and for funding and NGOs are all competing with each other. There is there is nowhere you can go to say, hey, here's how much time I have. Here's how many how many resources I have. Here's my area of expertise. Here's what I'm willing to do. Tell me every month how I can make the biggest difference. And then using artificial intelligence to sort through the the tons of places you might direct those people and directing them to the best sources, that is not happening anywhere. And so these 100 million people are are an enormous, just wasted resource, really, in tackling climate change because they have no idea what to do and they end up saying, I recycle. Yeah. Sure, sure. And if you listen to this show, you'd, you'd, know, you'd have a good idea of exactly what's happening when you recycle. <laughs> yeah, we did, we did a couple shows <laughs> but, uh, on, on it yeah, being a good thing to yeah, do, but uh, that it often is... It's, you know, there's, there's, better, there's better things. There's better things, yeah. yeah. Um, but that's... The, okay, good. Well, that's good to know. So, so uh, well, that's interesting. So we'll definitely have to people check that out so they can get the concept put together. But it does sound like we got to get some work together to, to get the, uh, yeah. you know, to get the, the chessboard yeah, moving. Yeah, find, find, a, find mm-hmm. a Richard Branson or a... <laughs> Jeff Bezos, who wants to to uh, make climate chess happen, and we'll be off to the races. Cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. in in the meantime, and I, I know that I know that uh, I mean I understand the concept that that look if everybody was organized and everybody was was uh, if everybody was working together in, in in a coordinated fashion with the with you know AI supermind moving them in the in the right place that that we get done a lot faster. But w- until we uh, until we get you know Richard Branson or so on on, on board. Um, what where are some some areas that uh, that someone could make even if it was small and even it was you know even if it wasn't the 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 be all end all move that would kill it because uh, there's there's there isn't a silver bullet here. Um, wh- where are things you can look like you you talked a little bit about carbon uh, offsets, which I think is a very misunderstood topic. Is there something in that area where where people could get a better understanding perhaps of of what those are and how they can 
either create them or procure them or yeah uh, yeah you know? but 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 before jumping into carbon offsets let me sort of sure. maybe answer the first question of what what Definitely. is it that people could actually do yeah because because ironic and there's a huge literature on this and and um ironically it, there's pretty widespread agreement that the single most important thing that any individual could do is to simply talk to other people about climate change And, you know, we hate we we're afraid to talk about climate change because it's become so politicized. Who wants to bring it up at the Thanksgiving table? Right. Um, right. Nobody wants to bring it up at the Thanksgiving table. And and so it it it, we don't talk about it to anyone we think might not already be in, you know, our tribe, so to speak. Very true. And 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 that's a huge problem. And so if, if we could if people could get over that and there are all sorts of resources out there to help people you know, do talk to, to talk to other people about climate change and the climate web can certainly give people all they need to know to do that. Yeah. But that ironically, you know, is the is the is the thing that that would make the biggest difference. And yet it is costless, you know, relatively barrier free, except for our our psychology. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and so I thought that's worth that's worth throwing out there. Uh, first, because that, that's, that's a huge, huge option. Yeah. I mean, if those hundred million people talk to their neighbors and their friends about climate change, the whole politics of climate change would change pretty quickly. Yeah. What, what and, I'm getting from what you're saying, Dr. Mark Trexler, the chief climatographer, is that he's recommending people listen to shows like the Biofriendly Podcast because they're so funny and yet they're talking about climate change. So when you're at Thanksgiving and you're nervous about talking about climate change, you could just reference like a silly pun or quip from this show. So that's what I got from that. I think that's that, all. That's a, word, for, word for word, basically. Word for word. I mean, that's yeah. how I kind of translated no, what he was saying. What I will say to toot our own, our own horn on that one is that part of the problem that I think makes it so uh so so difficult to discuss and makes it so polarizing is that uh, is that there, there have been you know for for those people who've been at this for a while and who've known about this for a while and, and you certainly are, are one of them um i think that this is a, a, very, a really frustrating topic and i think i think it's 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 it gets aggravating to hear to hear people just kind of not give any any credence or attention or or, or like to take it very seriously so i think that over time the 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 message has been militarized a little too much and so what we try to do here and, 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 uh, and, and what I think you could do when you're talking to your family and friends around the coffee table is to, is to remember that it doesn't have to be military. I, I guess this is, this is a, it's a, it's, you can talk about it calmly and you can talk about it openly and you can listen to the, to listen to the other person's fears and concerns and worries right. about what's going to change and what's going to happen and, and kind of talk them through it. Right. Like that's, that's, yeah, absolutely. that's all you can do. Right. And then just try to be, try to be cool about it, man. Do your best <laughs> to be cool. We're talking about cooling the planet. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, and if you know when when grandkids are talking about this with grandparents, you know yeah. the grandparents aren't just going to shut them down and saying you wacko liberal. Right. Um, you know, well, grand, grand, I mean, met my young people, young people can have a huge impact yeah. in in some yeah. of these conversations. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, back to your, you. That was a great answer to his first part of his question. Now we can move on to his second question, which was uh, more about carbon offsets. Yeah. yeah, that's an interesting topic because it's actually something we've we've talked about a lot here. How how uh, how how people you know often use those as a way to to, to if they're if they have to go on an airplane somewhere they 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 go and buy the the carbon right. offsets to try to to limit the the impact of it. So I think that this is a great opportunity since you have a lot of experience in it to explain to people what a carbon offset is and how they're created. Okay. Well, I, you know, I, I was asked um, recently, did, did you invent carbon offsets? And the answer to that is, is no, I did not invent carbon offsets, but I was hired to work on the first carbon offset. Uh, 
Oh. And and so I, I I have been around this space for for a while, yeah. um, and you know when when we originally got into our carbon offsets, literally the first carbon offset was thirty three years ago. Wow. Um, when you know when the first carbon offset, nobody was talking about climate policy. Very few people were talking about climate change. You know, carbon offsets were sort of a way to get people having a climate change conversation and mm. to have companies having a climate change conversation. And once electric utilities started saying, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll offset some of our emissions, it becomes a lot harder to then say, well, obviously climate change is a hoax. Because right. you, you yeah. can't on the one hand be saying, yeah, we're offsetting our emissions. And on the other hand say, wait, this is all a hoax. It doesn't, it doesn't really work. Right. And, sure. and so, so in the Tricked early them. days of carbon <laughs> offsets, um, no one ever believed that 33 years later, we would be talking about voluntary carbon offset markets. Sure. Um, I mean, even the electric utilities, you know, when I started working with electric utilities in 1991, you know, those utilities thought they would be regulated by 1995. Right. So, yeah. so they actually thought that their CO2 emissions, their greenhouse gas emissions would be regulated by 1995. Right. And they're not yet. So, right. um, so you, it, it's important to sort of recognize that the context in which carbon offsets got going and the goal and the general conversation, as, as opposed to today when we're all in a panic over climate change and we're talking about net zero and, 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 what, and what the role of carbon offsets there is, it might be quite different than it was 30 years ago. But yeah. let, me, let me sort of explain what an offset is and, and why it has been so fundamentally difficult to get the market right when it comes to, to offsets. Great. So yeah. first of all, um, I'll use the example of the first one. You had a small power company, AES, led by an environmental guy uh, whose business model is named Roger Sant, and his business model was he wanted to build small power plants under a particular federal law at the time. Uh, a, a, a bunch of small plot power plants, you know, 200, 300 megawatt, pretty small okay. power plants around the country. And the only thing that would really pencil out for that was coal at the time in the okay. 1980s. And there was nothing illegal about that at the time, nothing, people weren't really talking much about it. But he was an environmental kind of guy. And he said, you know, I'm a little concerned about this climate change stuff, but the only the only fuel I can make work with my business model is coal. Right. So he went to the World Resources Institute and said, hey, is there, is there something I could do to prevent the climate change impacts of building these coal plants, these small coal plants? Right. And WRI, World Resources Institute, worked with him and, and they invented the idea of carbon offsets. And, they, right. and in this case, they invented the idea or they, they had the idea of, what if you go down to Central America and work with the relief agency CARE yeah. and fund an agroforestry project in, in Guatemala? And that agroforestry project takes, a, a, takes pressure off of the natural forest because you don't have to do slash and burn agriculture. You get more biomass. You can rate, you, you're much more productive with agroforestry. Yeah. And so if you do agroforestry, you save the next door forest and you, you save the same num at least the same number of tons of CO2 as the coal plants will emit. Great. And so this idea of offsetting, you know, yes, you've got the emission here in the US, but you're avoiding an emission in Guatemala. And so the net impact is zero. 
Right. That yeah. that's the idea behind a carbon offset, and 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 that's where all carbon offsets have sort of sprung from. The the difficulty is is that for something to be an offset, it's got to be traceable back to the existence of a market for those reductions, for those for those um, for those credits. Okay. Yeah. Because there's a lot of stuff going on all the time that reduces emissions. Everybody buying a Prius, everybody taking mass transit, everybody taking the train. You know, all yeah. those things are in some abstract sense reducing emissions. Right. But it, but paying people to do that doesn't make any difference at all because they're already doing those things. Yeah. So you've right. got to make new things happen. You've got to make additional things happen. And and that's been the real challenge in 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 offset markets is how do you decide whether something someone is proposing as an offset is additional and yeah. or would it have happened anyway? And and a lot of people would argue huh. that we've done a really lousy job of determining that. And so that an awful lot of offset funding has gone to things that would have happened anyway and that therefore did not have any climate change mitigation benefit. And that's what the that's what the fight about offsets has been mostly about is this question of are they actually it's not a it's not a theoretical question of could they do good, but the way we're doing them, are they doing any good? See, that's that's fascinating, actually, because that brings you back to the last the last uh, point you were making, which is, I mean, well, it's true that, that people are doing this anyway, and, and this is something like like riding a train, right? It's it's so much it's so much better for the planet if you decide to take public transportation where there's 50 people on a bus instead of one person in a car or where there's, you know, a thousand people on a train instead of whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. Because that's, it's just, it's more efficient. Um, so that, I mean, that absolutely has a, has an impact on, on the environment and it's, uh, and, and it's, it's true. I mean, if people are going to do it anyway, then you're right. You got to create something new. I mean, you should, you can't be counting that that way. But on the earlier topic, I, I feel like this is a, this is an example of a, of a simple change of, of, you know, change of tactic that if more people did it would have an, an enormous positive impact on, on climate change. If the, if the popular idea was, I mean, right now it's a popular idea to, to, to get an electric car, but it's more efficient to just take the Metro instead of driving yourself to work in, in whatever car, even in the electric one, if more people were doing that. Right. So I don't know. It's, it's just interesting because it made me think kind of back to that that concept of like these these little changes. These things are are important. They do have a have a have a carbon emissions value. And if you get more people to do them, it would make a pretty significant impact. Well, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting point. Obviously, if more people did real stuff, yes, you you would you would reduce emissions. No question about that. Yeah. The, yeah. the problem is is that how does that relate to systems change? How do you go from from you know individual action um, because you're never going to have everyone and every company saying, "Hey, I'm going to offset all of my emissions." You know, sure. there, there's no way that you ever get more than four or five percent, perhaps, of people or companies to sort of step forward and do something totally voluntarily. And so, when they do that, that's great, but. It, it, you know, right, you're still emitting 53 billion tons yeah. of CO2 instead of 54 billion tons of CO2. Yeah. So sure. I'm by no means saying it's bad to do to do offsets. It's just that it's hard to see how it gets us to sort of overall systems change and and to really decarbonize the economy. Yeah. 
Yeah, fair enough. What would we leave it leave at that? I mean, I, I, I could probably, I, I think I almost want to go out with you and have, have a beer. Because <laughs> 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 there's a, a lot of, a lot of like deeper, more interesting questions that I want to get into. But I think that for the purposes of the show, it would be, it would be kind of not, not very productive because I would and, go, and it'd have we, to we be wine. But, fun, but but wine. Okay. I love, He's I more love of a wine. wine guy. I love okay, wine. We'll get we, some can, wine. we can do sparkly water. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. like chocolate milk. <laughs> no, uh, we're, <laughs> we're, def- we're definitely doing wine because that's how yeah. you get into the good stuff. Yeah, no, because so. it's fascinating. I love, I love what you're bringing to the table. It's, it's like, it's, it's just, it's, it's really interesting. It's, it's fascinating stuff, and I'd like to dig more into it. And I, and maybe at some point we could dig more into it with the audience. Yeah. I'm worried that that will, that will both go on, on tangents that that end us up. You'll lose everybody's knows where. Yeah. So, <laughs> but that's well, the, no, that's really fascinating. Part, the, part of the, the, the part of the yeah. biggest issue here is that everyone assumes that this issue of, of additionality is yeah. is just a technical issue. Just yeah. just go go solve it. Well, yeah. it's not that easy. That's and, fair. Yeah, and that's fair. Uh, because uh, you know, as I mentioned. We, we once, on the back of an envelope, we sort of added up what are all the things happening in the U.S. already, business as usual, having nothing to do with carbon markets or voluntary offset markets. Right. So we added up, you know, the renewable energy and the tree planting and the nuclear energy and the Priuses and, and the master. We added up all this stuff. Yeah. And it came out to about 2 billion tons okay, in the yeah. U.S. That's so that, that's yeah. 2 billion tons of good deeds Right. Which are which are which are reducing emissions by two billion tons. Absolutely right. true. Yeah. But you can't let those two billion tons into the voluntary offset market no, because they'll swamp the market right. with yeah. business as usual stuff. Totally. And, yeah, totally. and nothing different will happen. You know, I think I think that's, that's where, where you and I have a misunderstanding. I, I agree with you on that completely. I'm I'm just what I'm saying is I think that there's there's more value than than I'm I'm necessarily getting from you in in increasing the voluntary tons that don't go into the market, <laughs> right? Like it's just increasing like if that if that were oh, four absolutely. billion, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. there's and and here here's the inter- here's an interesting point that a lot of the things that individuals can do. It, it it's they that don't add up to systems change. Yeah, it's still actually very important that they yeah. do them because the whole psychology of individual action right. is such that if you're if you're not at all concerned about climate change or if you're not at all talking about climate change sure. and you're not keeping track of your carbon footprint and and maybe thinking about carbon offsets and if you're not thinking about any of that stuff, yeah. it makes it a lot less likely. That you're going to go out and vote for a candidate who might actually create systems change, right? And yeah. and so doing these things as an individual find, doesn't necessarily impact the whole system, but yeah. is probably critical to your willingness to then do the things that might impact the whole system. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you yeah. Guys, yeah. And it's interesting because even going back to your earlier example on on uh, on and I'm sorry we're bouncing around a little bit, but but as as you're talking about this, it's it's, it's coming to me. Your earlier example of uh, of you know, like better, better farming practices, right? Saving a forest that like technically, because you didn't destroy the forest, that's a carbon offset. But even that I would argue is like, that's not a carbon offset because that forest should never have been destroyed in the first place. You're just doing things better in to, with the farming, right? Which again, that comes down to education. That comes down to, to putting, putting energy and doing that. And perhaps by giving someone a carbon offset, you're encouraging that to happen. So you are saving that forest, but it is interesting because you can go pretty deep down that line and say like, look, I mean, if a forest is there, you shouldn't like, for instance, Russia offering, trying to get, get carbon offsets by protecting the, you know, the Siberian forests, which I mean, like, like well, they're, 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 let's just, why do we have, like, they're there. <laughs> why, why are we trying to turn those into carbon offsets? 
but then the flip side of that is, but then, you know, if someone's paying attention to them, then they won't go away, which is good. So it's, it's a fascinating point you bring up about how do you create the carbon offset? Because you almost would want it to be more trees, not just protecting the ones that are there. True, true enough, except for the fact that, that you know, generally speaking, about 10 percent of, of, of anthropogenic human caused emissions yeah. are, are from land use change. Right. And so in that sense, keeping, you know, keeping that acre of forest intact in the Amazon that otherwise would have been cut down is is literally from a carbon perspective is is literally as worthwhile as planting five acres of trees someplace else. Plus, you've got the biodiversity and other well, kinds sure. Of I mean, you, you yeah. take out carbon change. There's a million reasons why you'd want to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And again, I'm not. I'm right. not discounting that. I'm just. And, I'm and just, no, I mean, you're right that a lot of these things. You know, there's there's there should always be a question as to is carbon offsets the right way to think about this, or or is it public policy, or is it a rule of some kind? I mean, just for example, early on. Um, there was a lot of thought about how could we set up a carbon offset system for buildings in in Canada. So you'd have each building would sort of say, well, here's what I would have done otherwise, and here's what I did, and therefore I deserve X number of carbon credits, and and I'm going to sell those carbon credits to the building next door, and massively complicated thing. And we basically said, you know, don't do that. Just create better building standards. Yeah. And and so, you know, rather than rather than markets can be very useful in the right context, but a building standard can can easily um, uh, make up for a massively complicated attempt at building a market. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, in the case of in the case of forestry, uh, yeah, the, you, we shouldn't be deforesting those areas. But to the extent we are. And to the extent that carbon offsets could help prevent that, then you know that's a legitimate carbon offset. The the real question is, um, you know, most people are used to paying five dollars a ton for a carbon offset, and that's not enough to prevent somebody from cutting down a, an acre of forest in the Amazon. So right. yeah, it, it there's this there's this problem that the, the market really is sort of flooded with stuff that would have happened anyway, keeping the price really low. And yeah. so the really good projects out there have trouble getting the money they need to make really additional stuff happen. Yeah. yeah it's an interesting sense. it's an interesting conversation because you do you got to figure you got to figure out where where is where where is that line of of what 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 should be voluntary what should be included what what should people be be doing anyway and mm. what is inspiration for someone who's going to make a gigantic mess to make to to pay for, to make less of a mess right yeah. and then you're right. The value of the offset is a big deal. Like five five dollars a ton is not a lot. I mean, that's that's you know you, the the carbon market in uh, in Europe I think was up to, to twenty until recently. Um, but it's it varies, right? I mean, it's 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 it swings well, around. It's, depending it, on what's I mean, available. it's actually yeah, it's it's gotten up to fifty recent, more 50? recently. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, which is pretty remarkable, given that it was one at one, you know, a couple of years ago. Right. And, yeah. and so uh, the devil is in the details of how you design these markets and right. and supply and demand. It, because you, you got to remember, carbon markets are are a very different thing. Because somebody is deciding what the demand is going to be, policymakers. Right. Somebody is deciding what the supply is going to be, policymakers. Right. So you've got yeah. the same people sort of deciding supply and demand, and that's a weird context. Sure, um, it can be easily gamed, and it and it can lead to all kinds of mischief. And it, you know, it's not like a wheat transaction where where I'm selling you wheat. You can pretty easily know whether that wheat is 
can be turned into bread or whether mice have been eating the stuff for the last right, three months. Right, right. And and you shouldn't be buying it at all. You know, with carbon offsets, a... you can't tell that. You can't the person right. buying the thing has no idea what they're buying in that in that sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If only there was some kind of AI system that was playing like a gigantic game of climate chess. <laughs> it could right. work us into a you know, if only to, there was a climate web <laughs> where you could get a lot of information from. <laughs> no, that's, well, that's and, and Mark, this is and, this is and, terrific. You know, in some ways I've been trying to get away from carbon offsets for the last decade. Right, um, right. And with, I can, with, you, as you explain it, I can understand why. It's funny because when you came on, it was, it was one of the questions I was most curious about just because I thought, well, here's, here's a way to explain to people what, what, they're, what they're buying and what they're doing. And now, you know, you, you're, 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 you're flipping me on a little bit, uh, Mark. I'm well, the, to- <laughs> but I, and ironically, when I was still closely involved and I was at a, a firm called EcoSecurities, uh, which had bought my firm here in the U.S. So EcoSecurities yeah. was, was in the U.K. And uh, I, I was heading, I headed up the global consulting group and had offices around the world, but very active in carbon offsets. And my team came up with a scoring system for offsets. Because right now, basically, all you have to do is get approved by any one of a number of different entities as to whether your offset is an offset. And some of those entities have higher standards than others. And, uh, you know, you can almost always find somebody willing to approve your, your project as an offset. Um, and, and, but, and, but consumers, the people buying them, they have no way of knowing what they're buying. And so what do they do? They go for the cheapest thing they can find, which is not necessarily a good offset. So, so we actually came up with a scoring system, which was really innovative and, and would have said, Hey, this offset is a 200 or this offset is an 800. Right. And, and it would have, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't say whether an offset was good or bad, but it would say, on a on a thousand scale, how much confidence can you have that what yeah. you're buying will make a difference for the planet? Yeah. And so, for 200, you shouldn't have a lot of confidence, even though it's possible. Yeah. And for 800, you can have a lot of confidence, even though it's not absolutely guaranteed. Yeah. And and we came up with the scoring system, and and we presented it internally, and you know some of the people in the company said, "This is great. You know, this would really help us differentiate." ourselves in the market. Yeah. The most of the company said, well, yeah, but wait a second. Remember that most of our projects would probably come in at a 300. And and that was and they said that's the last thing we need. And so, wow. you know, we've had this scoring wow. idea. We've talked about it with lots of people over the last decade, but it would so it would so destabilize voluntary carbon markets in the sense that that suddenly people would be able to know that they were buying a, an 800 or a 300 wow. that that people have just stayed away from it yeah mark we're gonna have to sit down over that wine and chocolate milk and uh, and, <laughs> and have a deeper conversation because i, I think we i think i think that I, I i think we might we might be able to help you here i i this is this is fascinating i, I this is this is interesting i i think that that uh yeah, I, we should we should catch we should catch up. This was really this was really this was really good. Yeah, um, I love it. This is really good because because you're you're onto something, and I and I have some some thoughts now in the, in uh, in my head on how how you could expand on that, and maybe we could do something with it. Anyways, yeah. that that's great. That's great. You know, if you want, I can I can explain with an anecdote why additionality per se has been so difficult. Okay, yeah, please do. Um, and and it's an anecdote that people get a big kick out of. Uh, I, I, may, I, I said this at, a, at one of the big international uh, climate conferences in, in 2010. I analogized between additionality testing and pregnancy testing. Okay. And, okay. and the whole room went into titters 
Um, <laughs> but but it's actually a, a perfect analogy. And the, and the and the issue here is that you're you're sort of trying to you're doing a hypothesis test. You're trying to decide, you know, is this project additional? And you've got the possibility of a false positive. In other words, it's not. Right. Or a false negative, it is, but you threw it out, right. or or it's real. So you've got these just it's a typical hypothesis test kind of situation, right. and not at all unlike trying to design a a pregnancy test kit. Yeah. And you know when you design a pregnancy test kit, you're always going to have some false positives. You're yeah. always going to have some false negatives where you tell the, the woman she's not pregnant when she is, right. yeah. and vice versa. And you've got to balance the two. You've got to decide, you know, which of those two problems is a bigger concern to me because it is impossible to minimize both at the same time. The more you minimize one, the more the other one increases. It's a it's a statistical law. And so you've you've got to do this balancing act to figure out uh, what what's an appropriate balance. So with carbon offsets, number one, you've got to do this balancing act. But Imagine designing a pregnancy test kit if you could never actually know whether the woman had ever been pregnant. Wow. How That's would harder. you do that? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, would be, it would be impossible, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, that's what we're trying to do with additionality testing. <laughs> right. Because we yeah. can never, never empirically know no. whether a project truly was additional. It's, and it's, so it's, it's really like trying to design a pregnancy test kit without knowing whether a baby would have otherwise resulted or not. And that sort yeah. of gives you a sense of, of how challenging and why this issue has been so challenging. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and I good and, analogy. And that was, you know, as you as you were as you were talking through our podcast here, that be, that was honestly becoming quite clear. Yeah. But that's that's that is the issue. Yeah. That's that's fascinating, Mark. Thank you. I think we we're we're yeah. kind of running out of time yeah, here. We're I mean, at, we could we're go on for point. the rest of our lives, <laughs> honestly. Uh, but but no, but you've been that's, that's great. Fantastic guest and, yeah. and I really loved you joining us today and, and sharing your story and how you got involved and really breaking things down and making things more clear. And I, I you know I look forward to future conversations, us coming up to Oregon, you coming down to our area, meeting up, having dinner, having that wine and uh, and getting to know each other even more. But um, is there any kind of closing remarks you'd like to make or, or is that is that good? No, I think, you know, just in the last couple of weeks, things are happening out there that are statistically impossible in terms of the fires in Oregon and the floods in Germany. Yeah. And so this is an issue that we all need to be thinking more about. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. Keep those conversations coming, guys, in a nice way. Talk to those family members. And well, just in a way that they can accept it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't yeah. always be nice. You just don't always you know, be nice. But just like you, you can be direct. Give it to people so that they can have it, because you don't yeah. want people to just turn off, because that's yeah. what they do. Yeah, that's what they do. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. And go well, to climatechess.climatesites.net, and go to climatesites.net, and that lists all of our different websites using the, using the climate web. Yeah, we will uh, link that uh, with this episode. Okay. So uh, make sure to check the links that we include uh, when we put this episode out at the end of the week. So uh, thank you for joining us. We usually do a little wrap up here. So you're welcome to exit the Zoom call and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon, Mark. OK, thanks very much. Uh, we'll talk to you. Thank thanks you so much. Talk Cheers. soon. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Right. Wow. Right. Wow. Yeah, it's awesome. That, it's a very that, smart fella. Uh, that was that, that. That was that was fun. You, you that was fun. I. I. I, uh, I yeah. I. I I'll, I'll quietly secretly record the sequel yeah. without anybody knowing when we get to hang out <laughs> together. No, I'm just kidding. Here's well, Mark what I loved it. about it is yeah. I actually, you know, I, I, Mark and I have talked a couple of times and I've read a lot of stuff, but I. 
I probably saw in in the information on him that he was involved in the first carbon credit, but yeah. how cur, first carbon offset, yeah. but how cool is it that yeah. we got the guy involved with the very first one to kind of break down like this is how it all happened and and basic basically shoot the whole system into pieces at we, the same time. Yeah, I mean, say, like, <laughs> this is the system, but yeah, it's got, it's got holes. It's got problems. You know, this is yeah. why it was invented in this year and why people are scrambling for it now are two different things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, but you know what? I mean, it's, it's, yeah. So, so people are, are, are using it now for other reasons, but its value is still the same then as it was now. It's just, yeah. is it worth it anymore? Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's the thing that's, that, that is fascinating to me. And that's, that's the, the calculation that he kind of came up with. Because he says he's trying to get out of carbon offsets. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's fascinating yeah, to me. Yeah. Because are they worth it anymore? Is is you know yeah. if if you're if you are measuring whether something is additional or not? Yeah. Not even knowing if you've got it right, yeah. and then also like to me, it's it's there. There's the it is a it is a, a larger and more interesting issue on the on like what those what individuals are doing, and if more of them are doing that, I mean, is that yeah. You know, yes, that's valuable, but is that should that be taken yeah. out as a carbon offset to then lower the price of, of or make it more easier for people who are polluting to then pull yeah. off? You know, and maybe not. Yeah. But it's it's it's, it's complex. It and is. It is it's fascinating. It is, and it but at the same time, though, if you were to 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 tell individuals that they're creating those those carbon offsets and maybe they could sell them personally, would they be more apt to do better things for the environment? Yeah. And would that help? And yeah. then would it be additional? Exactly. See what I mean? Yeah. I could go to, this would be a, such a, fa- it would really be a fascinating conversation to have with him, yeah. but it would take. Take a minute. Hours. Yeah, it takes, it, it would take some time. I, I, what I got from it was like, maybe there's a lot of emphasis being put on carbon offsets when there shouldn't be. Yeah, well, I think I think that's that is that is fascinating, isn't that's it? Right? What I got, like, like, like going back may, to our may, Olympic one, right? Maybe we're spending too much time talking yeah. about this stuff, and it really it doesn't necessarily. Well, you know, and and matter. It's true. Like if if the carbon offsets are protecting important jungles, important forests, but then I agree with them. Then I'm glad they're doing that. They should be doing sure, that. Sure, sure. But I still am going to make the argument of whether or not that's that's additional. Like that that's that's and that's yeah. that's his point. That's his you don't point. know if it's additional. That's his point. <laughs> it's, it's like over. that it's that pregnancy test. Yeah. So well so, I but I love to have him on the show. And we yeah. as you hear we didn't acknowledge this up top because we kind of jumped in. We were talking to him but Elise wasn't with us today. She was yeah. out of the office so we had to fly without the full team. Yeah but, at, uh, least, at, least, uh, at least on vacation at least on vacation and today. having a good time and earned it. Yes and, yeah, absolutely earned it earned Absolutely. her time off so um but that's it so uh we are your beacon of light in a gloomy environment carefully avoiding neonicotinoids we are the Siegfried and Roy and Meryl Streep of podcasts this show is a joke never believe step one chill out spilling the teeth since 2019 <laughs> that's it that's it look at us flew through unbelievable <laughs> I'm you burped again <laughs> 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 I try to sneak one in every show. Every show. Yeah. That's got to be your new Just thing. It's got to be your new thing. Blurge. Well, without our, our you're not going to hear the bye. So we'll do the cheerio and then we'll do her bye for, for her. No, I think, I think. Leave it of, silent. One of the things about when she's not here to make people sad. Is there's no bye. Is they don't get the bye. See? <gasps> My heart broke a little bit. I know. Okay. But ready? that's how it goes. No one else can do the bye. You're right. We could never take we that could never take that away. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So then. Cheerio. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Bio Friendly Podcast. It's the Bio Friendly Podcast.